Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer, and welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can follow along on LinkedIn or on other social media. And if you ever want to hear more about what we can offer your workplace, please reach out at contact at workerbeing.com. So today we are going to be talking about how to recover after work. We've talked about this topic before, but not in as much detail as new research lets us discuss. So there's some new stuff coming out on it. I think it will be exciting uh, to hear some more recent developments on a topic that um, we know pretty well, but don't know this part of yet as well because it's brand new. So before we get started, I want to ask you, so in this article, which I will reveal later, they break recovery <laughs> activities down into seven different characteristics. And okay. I thought that um, I would ask by, or I would ask you, what type of recovery activity do you do most frequently? So what would you say is your most frequently occurring recovery activity? And then later we can see what it maps onto and what that's related to for you potentially. Ooh. Okay. What is my most frequent? I feel like it's probably, there's probably like a close tie between maybe two or three. Mm -hmm. So like I would say definitely a go-to, especially after a really long day of meetings, is just like vegging on the couch, which I know is Mm -hmm. not the best option. But the like, I'm going to put on, (laughs) put on some reality TV where it's like, I don't have to think. And just, like, watch something kind of dumb, but, like, entertaining. Yeah. So that's one. I would say the other one that's probably a close second is reading fiction. Mm. So some sort of novel and just same idea, just kind of, like, vegging in a way, but consuming entertainment in a different fashion. Yeah. Um, And then our little man, our dog, needs walks all the time. So I feel like a yeah. lot of my, like, breaks and things have to do, surround, like him and taking a walk outside, which is also good for me too. I know. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, that's good. A mix of things. And we'll talk about those. And, you know, um, the vegging on the couch is not as bad as you had, um, originally said. So, um, you know, (laughs) we'll talk more about that, but, uh, I would say, yeah, I would say that mine is definitely socializing of some form. I really Mm. only watch TV on the weekend and I never read anything, (laughs) which is so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You Um, do. You read a ton of articles, academic articles. But I don't read like, but but I like need to get better at like, because I actually really like reading, but I just don't do it. Um, But um, I would say socializing is my number one thing. I usually will spend time talking to people either like I'll just follow Brendan around the house and like tell him everything that happened to me for the day. I'm sure he loves that. But um, I do that. <laughs> or like if we're going to do something to unwind, I'll be like, let's sit on the couch and talk about our day. But we like don't have anything on in the background or anything. We're just like sitting and speaking. And mostly I'm speaking, to be fair. And then because um, he's not his, I don't think our styles match. He's probably like, I do not wish to socialize anymore. Um, but uh, and then like if if that's like, you know, uh if we've already done that or if like he's doing something else, 
I'll like call my mom or like sometimes people from work will call and we'll talk on the phone. So like I feel like I talk to people or like I'll go to a happy hour for work or something. Like I think those are the things that I spend the most time doing is social stuff. That makes sense for you. I feel like, you know, we're both on the extroverted scale, like higher, but you are way higher, I think, than even me. Like you definitely are a person that extra thrives. And even with the, even when we have calls or meetings though, like to be fair, like we socialize for a good portion of the call too. True. I think Um, that you're also socializing to some extent on, on the regular as well. Cause I know you also like talk with your family frequently and whatever. So you're probably getting a, a decent amount of socialization too. Yeah, I guess I think that's very true. I think I really was only counting like social like until you started explaining, like oh, talking to obviously your husband, that is still socializing. Yeah. yeah but so- I didn't, <laughs> it wasn't really counting that, which like yeah. 90% of the time is, I mean, I do that a lot, obviously. And then like my family, and I was just kind of imagining like leaving the house and going out. Like that is sure. probably less frequent for me compared yep. to you. But um, yeah, we definitely are talking a lot. And even when we're vegging out watching something, like a lot of times it's together and, you know, it takes yeah. us a lot longer to get through episodes of things because we end up talking through it a lot too. Yep. So it's kind of a little bit of a mix, I think, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most people have a mix. And actually, that's part of the purpose of this article is to um, recognize that activities can have different dimensions and that okay. some activities can have multiple dimensions in them and some just have one, et cetera. So um, so if you want to hear the, uh, takeaways from today, I will give them to you. I already foreshadowed one of them. Yes, please. Um, one is that there are three different characteristics of recovery activities that what you do after work can contain. And we'll talk through what those characteristics are. And, um, you can see which activities you do that have which characteristics. And then the next takeaway and this is maybe like a vague takeaway, but the activities <laughs> that you think are helping you in particular ways based on common wisdom may not actually be helping you in those ways. They might be helping you in other ways, but there's some common wisdom that this um, study challenges about what different types of recovery activities do for you after work, um, as well as leading into the next day. And so um, this is a mysterious la- takeaway. I know. And the last is that <laughs> there are certain people who benefit a little bit more from certain types of recovery activities. And we'll talk through that a little bit too. Okay. So it sounds like what we're going to learn is different characteristics of the um, recovery tactics. Yes. Like what those benefits are and like who it might benefit the most. Exactly. That's correct. So cool. Yes. So the first is, what are these recovery activities characteristics? So as a little background, people used to talk about, um, and and still do, and the research on this is still good, around recovery as sort of what the activity was doing for you. So in other words, they'd be like, oh, you know, these are activities that help you to relax, or these are activities that seem like they would help you to master something, or these are activities that would help you to um, be able to disconnect. But the issue is that it's not as clean when you're thinking about activities. Like, 
oh, this is a relaxing activity, or this is an activity where I'm getting better at things, or this is an activity where I'm um, disconnecting. Like, they ha can have some overlap, and it can be hard to tell which activity you're doing falls into which category. So they started to realize mm -hmm. that when they were giving people practical advice about what activities to do, they were noticing that they couldn't really cleanly sort activities into some of the ways that we conceptualize what actually is useful for you after work, which it is useful to relax. It is useful to detach. It is useful to feel like you're getting better at things. But how do you tell people to engage in activities that do those things? That's where it was getting a little fuzzy because there was a mix up sort of between the activities themselves and what they were doing for you, if that makes sense. They were sort of being called the same thing. And that was getting a little confusing. Yeah. I could totally see that. I can think of things where like you're detached, but you're also relaxing, right? Like right. there's, yep. or you're detached because you are immersed in something else that you're learning. Like those things seem like they could happen at the same time. Right. And then there's questions of like, oh, well, I could detach doing chores, but then they'd be like, well, chores isn't really detaching. Well, why not? You know, there's like these different, yeah. um, it just was, it was practically difficult to give people advice about what activities were going to do what for them. So they decided to solve for this by studying different characteristics of activities and then seeing how they relate to the things that we're trying to achieve um, after work in order to recover. So they split it into seven different characteristics. And I'll, I'm not going to go into great detail about the seven because that will take a long time, but I'll just give you a rundown and give you some examples. So okay. the first is physical activity. And something to note about this one is that they're specifically focused on more exercise. So uh, something that you might consider vigorous or slightly demanding to you, not necessarily just like getting up and stretching. They don't really have a category for that. Um, so what they have a category for is more like what you would think of as exercise, getting up and taking a walk or going for a run or something like that. Um, would count as physical activity here. Got it. So okay. That's, that's so pretty not straightforward. What? Not just like any physical activity, but more challenging. Exactly. Longer, probably period of time as well. Exactly. Um, the next one is social, which is communicating with other people, spending time with other people, socializing with other people. So really talking to or being around other people counts as a social activity. So you can start to see how there might be some combos of these things because you could do something physical and social, right? So they're really breaking down uh, people's activities and allowing them to report different aspects of the same activity and then seeing like what combination of things they're getting more or less. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So the next is creative. And this is taking time to express yourself creatively, explore your creative side, or just generally feel like you're engaging in creative activities. So this could be things like painting or drawing, but it also could be, you know, playing a game that allows you to be creative or writing in a journal, potentially. Those are things that really, it's up to you to determine whether or not you think you're being creative. But if you perceive it as a creative activity, then it will likely have the same impacts as a creative activity I'll show you has. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause I feel like that could be such a broad definition, right? Some people might think mm -hmm. of things differently. Like maybe I think painting my nails is kind of creative, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. some people may not think that, or I don't know. I mean, crocheting, I feel like is creative, but that for some yeah. reason came into my brain. Um, but yeah. yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, so it's really not about, they're not saying like this is a creative activity, painting is creative. They're asking people to what extent did this activity allow you to express your creativity? Um, and that will come in, into play later in terms of what things are related to. Um, the next is mental. So this is something that requires you to think hard, concentrate, that you feel is mentally demanding or requires you to be mentally active. So this might be something like playing chess. Um, maybe you might find that has a particular recovery impact for you, um, but you would still say, you know, yeah, I had to really be thinking hard while I was doing that. Um, or, you know, maybe doing a really difficult crossword puzzle or something like that um, might require some mental energy. Um, so that's the next one. So and similar that, to physical activity, it's more of like a, mm -hmm. like a higher intensity. It's yes. not like, you know, because I gave reading a book as an example, but like that's not difficult necessarily mm -hmm. not, unless I'm reading like some really intense book. Like yeah. generally speaking, it's fairly straightforward. So that wouldn't count because it's not mentally taxing, but something like mm -hmm. really hard would be considered mental yeah. in this case. Yeah. So you might, if you were reading a book, um, you might, if it's like a book that's really helping you like tap into your creative side or something, you feel, you might be like, oh, well that was like something that was allowing me to explore my creative side. Like let's say you're reading a book about know, a biography of a famous artist or something. Who knows? That's like too on the nose, but you know what I mean? Um, versus <laughs> like, oh, I'm trying to teach myself in my spare time quantum physics or something. And I, I like to do it after work, but it is mentally challenging. That could be reading, both activities could be reading a book, but one you might rate high on creativity and the other might rate high on mental activity. Um, mm -hmm. And you're onto something with the mental and the physical being similar. So stay tuned to that. <laughs> okay, um, great. The other um, arena is spiritual, something that involves spirituality, spiritual themes, allows you to either meditate, pray, or take time to find inner peace. So anything that you would categorize as an activity that helps you to tap into your spiritual self goes in that category. Okay. And then the last two are characteristics that have to do with where you're doing stuff. So one is virtual. Oh, um, does the activity use digital technology, the internet, a screen? Did it take place on a digital device? And the other is the opposite. It's outdoor. Was this in the fresh air, performed in a natural environment? Were you in nature while you, while you were doing this activity? This is really interesting because in that there's like a component missing, right? Like, yes. what about, we keep going back to this book reading. I'm curious about like reading a book. I mean, granted I have a Kindle and it is technically on a device, but like if I'm reading a physical book in my house, that doesn't tap into probably either of those two things, does it? Um, It would depend on how you feel you're engaging with the book. So if it wasn't mentally strenuous, you didn't feel like it was like creative for you in any way. Um, you didn't feel like it was tapping into anything spiritual or like the meaning of life or teaching you like a life lesson or something like that. <laughs> then yeah, it, it might not. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm curious to hear more. Yeah. Okay. So um, what they were trying to look at is the extent to which these different characteristics of activities led to different outcomes 
from a recovery perspective. So there are three different kinds of recovery. One is detachment. Do I feel like I'm fully separated from my work? The other is relaxation. Do I feel like calm and cool and happy and just like chill in? And the other is mastery. Do I feel like I'm getting better at something that I care about, that I want to get better at? So they were looking at how these different characteristics of activities predicted these three things which we know are important for having less exhaustion at the end of the day and potentially for having more vigor the next day. And I'm not going to get super into which had which relationships with which, but basically you should know that things that support mastery generally tend to kick in the effects the next morning. And things that support relaxation and detachment, you experience the effects more immediately. So you have less exhaustion in the moment from things that support your detaching and relaxation. And you have more energy the next day from things that support your mastery, but they don't necessarily help you make up for the exhaustion that you're feeling right now. Um, so just oh. so you know, like kind of what we're working towards, we're working towards lowered exhaustion in the moment and higher energy the next morning. That's actually super interesting because I feel like um, you and I have talked to different groups about the importance of mastery and how it's, you know, been found time and time again to be really important for recovery. Um, but I think the missing link is always like, well, if you're so exhausted, if you're so tired at the end of the day, how do you then take this extra step to do something that's going to give you more mastery, right? When you're mm -hmm. already really tired, whether mentally or yep. physically, right? Yep. And it's, I mean, it makes sense that people kind of shy away from that sometimes because of the fact that it, like you just said, it doesn't alleviate exhaustion right then. So mm -hmm. it's not like easy to get into if you're already exhausted. So that's, yeah. that's super interesting. Yeah. And this hopefully will help people to be able to pick and choose like, what's your goal right now? And how can you form your activities that you're engaging in around that goal? So um, I'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a bit. But the goal here is to help people be a little bit more selective and strategic about their activities so that they're making sure they're engaging in activities that have characteristics that are aligned with what they want to achieve. Um, so to give a rundown of what helps support what, um, if you're looking to detach from work, the social activities are most helpful and activities that are done outdoors. So when people said that the activity that they did was outdoors, it helped them to detach more, um, as well as when they said it had a social component. So those two things don't have to be combined. So if you want to make it more likely that you're going to detach, do whatever it is that you're doing outdoors, <laughs> which might just be helpful <laughs> to get away from technology, um, I would imagine. Um, mm -hmm. Or if you want to detach, do something social, because I would imagine the other person requires more, or people require your attention, um, and that will help you to be less engaged with whatever it was you were thinking about regarding work. Yeah, that's exactly where my head was going is what you said, right? When you're outside, if you're taking a walk outside or you're doing something outside, you're likely less tethered to technology. So don't like just sit outside on your phone, but like yep. <laughs> do something outside that's a little different than you're going to obviously get that detachment because you can't be focused on your phone in that moment. Like if you're taking a walk, you're not like on your phone and walking. I mean, you could be, but that's just 
dangerous. Right. Um, <laughs> but then on the social side, it's the same thing, right? Like you go out to dinner with your friends or you call somebody like you're paying attention to what they're saying. You're not reading an email. You're not doing those types of things. Um, it would be very rude if you were, and you're more likely to kind of just ignore that while you're engaging with that person in that moment. Yeah. So I could totally see how that would help with detachment. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think something that's interesting is that um, physical activity did not help with detachment. So, hmm. um, but uh, when physical activity was done outdoors, it's more likely to help with detachment. So um, mm -hmm. they have a couple uh, ideas about that, but it's just interesting to point out that that I think a lot of people think that just the act of doing exercise helps them to detach. But um, let's say you're like on a treadmill in your house going for a run, you can still be thinking about work while you're on that run. <laughs> so I think what they yeah. noticed is that being outside gives you like other sensory experiences to engage with that may help to make that activity less likely to be focused on ruminating about what happened that day. Um, so that's kind of yeah. interesting. I and that is really interesting because I think there's also a component of like, if you're on a treadmill, like you could look at your phone more readily, right? right? Yep. If you're at the gym and you're like doing weights or something, you can between sets, look at your phone mm -hmm. or, you know, if you're think if you're like stressed out about something, like for example, I mean, I just did this like last week I was at the gym and, um, there was a bunch of stuff going on. And so I kept checking my email. Yeah. So it's not like I really detached while I was at the gym. I was checking right. my email and yep. I was thinking about work. Um, it was almost like I was just doing the check the box activity, but not actually getting all of the benefits that I could have gotten from it. I wonder if like a class, like how mm -hmm. that would compare, you know, where yeah. you're in a class with other people and you can't really have your phone. And maybe that would tap into the social part and make it different. Oh, good point. Good point. It could. I'm not sure. They didn't break it down by like activity they broke it down by how people rated the characteristics of each activity without getting into like this activity has these characteristics because it's more about your perception of that activity like somebody could find like yeah. painting really mentally exhausting because they like hate the act of painting and it's like painful for them but another person could find it creative or whatever totally yeah I think that makes sense um so the next is that in terms of relaxation these social aspect does help you to relax and the spiritual aspect helps you to relax there are also relationships between between being outdoors and relaxing and virtual activities and relaxing so I think this is where that comes in with like watching tv um and you know going on social media potentially things like that where you're using a device um to sort of veg out that is related to relaxation um and so I think a takeaway here is, you know, if you're socializing, um, you're going to get both a relaxation and a detachment boost. If you do that outside, that'll probably be even more so the case. Um, if you're doing something hmm. spiritually, but you also do it socially, you can add not just the relaxation dimension, but you can add the detachment that you might get from a social experience, right? So um, now you can start to think about, okay, how can I take the activity that I'm doing and amp it by trying to get an additional benefit. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense that like these kind of combination activities would have more benefits for you, right? Than 
something that is just the one um one mode if you will right like virtual Mm -hmm. like you said okay watching tv vegging out like that can help with relaxation but i think all of us know do you detach fully are you on your phone are you multitasking while you're watching i mean everybody i think is guilty of that so then are you actually doing the detachment piece or are you just relaxing because okay you're not at your computer you're laying on the couch you you know it's kind of a more chill vibe so you get totally. a little bit of that benefit, but you're not getting everything you could out of it if your phone was somewhere else or your work stuff was somewhere else and you were yeah. having a conversation while watching TV or whatever. Yeah, totally. I think it's important to think about how you're doing it too, because you could be um, getting an extra benefit if you're doing it in a particular way um, as well, mm-hmm. being more thoughtful about it. Um, yeah. yeah. So then the last piece is that physical, mental, and creative activities are positively related to mastery, Um, but so you feel better, you feel like you're getting better at something, and as I mentioned before, so for the detachment and relaxation activities, you immediately experience a benefit. Your exhaustion goes down that night. For the physical, mental, and creative dimensions, it doesn't decrease your exhaustion in the moment, but it does give you more energy going into the next workday, which is interesting. The creative dimension Mm -hmm. doesn't do anything for your exhaustion. The next day gives you more energy. The physical and mental activities decrease your relaxation, which actually is then like worse for your exhaustion. So that feeling that you get and, and I think this is interesting. You brought up our prior conversations about this, this feeling that you get of like, oh, I'm so tired. Like if I go run, I'm going to be more tired. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, or like, oh, like I really don't want to do this really tough mental activity right now because like I'm exhausted from work and I just don't want to think about anything. I just want to do something that's like simple and easy. Yeah, you're right. You will feel more tired after you do that the benefits don't come until the following morning from a mastery activity. And so not from creativity, but from physical or mental activity, that calculation's accurate. So I think the takeaway here is that if you really feel exhausted and what you really need is to replenish your energy in the moment, physical, challenging physical or mental activities may not be the best bet for you. Um, but mm-hmm. if you feel like you, you're tired, but you have a little bit of energy to, to invest, whatever, um, and you want to get that boost the next morning, you're going to miss out on that boost if you bail out. Um, so if you still have the energy, a little bit of energy to squeak out to do it, it'll help you the next day. But if you're really, really tired, that may not be the best time for you to engage in those activities, which I think is counter to what a lot of people commonly think. For sure, because everyone talks about like, oh, just you know, get your run in, get your exercise in. It's going to boost your energy. And it's like, right. well, yes, but not eventually in that moment. So like yep. if you're super, super tired, like you just getting up and doing that exertion is not going to help you at that time. Um, so I totally that makes sense to me. It's sad, but yeah. it makes sense. But what I'm hearing is for me, if I like to read my books and I do feel like if I was to put it on the scale of creative or mental, I would say reading novels are more on the creative side. I feel like it's a lot of, you know, visualizing what you're reading and stuff like that. It feels more yep. creative to me. And then if I did outside, then I could get a relaxation benefit, a detachment benefit, and 
better energy the next day. Yeah. Um, because I did the creativity piece. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All Woo-hoo. of this is true. <laughs> yeah. So now like, that's why I found this useful because I'm like, oh, now I can think about the activities I'm doing in terms of how I perceive them. And then I can actually make decisions about, oh, okay, I'm going to socialize if it's nice out and I do it outside, that ups like with the benefits. So let's do that. You know what I mean? Like you can really start to think mm-hmm. about how do you take what you like to do and add something to it or be more strategic about how you're deploying it so that you get the outcomes that you want. So I liked that a lot. Um, the yeah. last piece here is that, as you might imagine, there are some people who get a little bit more of, uh, or who are more likely to engage in these activities Um, And so who you are might impact which activities you pick. So people who are more open to different experiences are more likely to pick creative activities. People who are more extroverted or who like to socialize better or like to socialize more are more likely to pick social activities. Um, And interestingly, um, there was not a lot of relationships around like your need for like cognition or achievement around the mental, physical, creative. So really, it's just important to know that if you're extroverted and you like to be around people, you're more likely to pick social stuff. If you're more open to experience, you're more likely to pick creative stuff. So while you might gravitate towards those things more frequently, you may also be missing out on some of the benefits of some other things, and you might want to switch it up a Hmm. little bit. So I mentioned, and you mentioned too, like I'm extroverted. It makes sense that I pick social things. But I might not want to hit on that every time because there are some things that I might not be getting in, like mastery, for example, where I'm missing that extra boost of energy the next day that I could be getting if I varied up my activities a little bit more. So it's important just to kind of know what you're more likely to tend towards and maybe use that as information uh, to, to switch it up a little bit if you're doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, I really like the idea of kind of using this as a way to like shape what your activities are going to be and what you're day's going to look like your week's going to look like because um like you were saying obviously maybe you mix up what you normally do because of what you've learned but even like let's say you're a person that works out like three days a week right you got like you do a hard workout three days a week the other days you don't maybe you now think about well when do I do those workouts how Mm -hmm. do I plan it based on what's going on at work what will I be exhausted that day because I've got you know all day of meetings maybe I should move my workout to a different day Um, like, I think that there's a lot that you can think through to like, make sure that you're not depleting yourself further, but then getting the benefits and obviously exercises other benefits. So beyond just recovery. Um, but I think that there's like ways you can maneuver your week to Mm -hmm. help with where you're going to be at that point. Cause like I can look at my calendar in a week and I can tell you which days I'm going to be most tired. Like it's pretty obvious most of the time. And I'm assuming maybe others have a similar experience. Um, obviously not hundred percent accurate always in predicting that, but those really heavy days, like you kind of know what, when they're coming. And so maybe you adjust how you recover on those days, um, a little bit and you can be more strategic. Yeah. And I think also, What was helpful for me, and I'm not saying like, oh, this is like a way to get out of doing whatever, but I feel like there's like these um, like sort of common wisdom type things like we were saying where every activity that you engage in that's non-work related should just give you energy. And 
that's actually not the case. Um, and they do it in different ways and different things have stronger relationships with certain types of goals. So to your point about customizing it or anticipating it, I think it's helpful because previously I think it was just sort of, oh, all of these things are helpful and pick which ones you like. And now you can more specifically see how it helps you in particular ways to be able to actually achieve a goal as opposed to just like, oh, all of these things are probably, or, you know, I am running on little sleep and I had a totally horrible day at work and now I'm going to feel extremely guilty if I skip my workout today because I know that if I had just done it, it would have given me energy. Like, well, that's actually not what they're finding. So I think that that is, <laughs> um, I think that all of it helps you to just understand your responses to different activities better and that can help you pick them better, but also understand your own inclinations towards different activities more so too. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. And I think it's important just to remember like to have because of this finding, right? Like you can have grace with yourself in certain days where you can't do something or you don't have time to do something or you're too tired. Like that's okay. And there's data to back you up. So if you need to take a break and you can't yeah. like... I don't know, work on that calculus equation that's just sitting right. on your desk. Um, <laughs> you like, it's okay. You, you can take that break that you need because it's not going to help you right in that moment. So mm-hmm. why make it harder for yourself? Why yeah. not do one of the things, do something creative, do something outside that's going to make you feel mm-hmm. a little bit more relaxed and help with the exhaustion and then you can tackle that calculus problem tomorrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All those calculus problems got to get done sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like in high school when your teacher was always like teaching you this stuff and everyone's like, when am I ever going to use it? Well, yeah, true. Now, well, apparently, you know, my <laughs> some, somebody out there is pushing off a calculus equation because they're too tired and someone else is banking on that energy burst the next morning and they're very excited about it (laughs) (laughs) yep 100 percent, totally that's what calculus is good for it's helping you get that boost of energy the next day (laughs) agreed totally agree um so that's that's it those are the takeaways from the article um i think the only last thing that i would say is that if you are leading a team and you want to better understand how to Give yourself some time to recover and come into the workday with more energy for your team the next morning. Here are some good tips. But also recognizing that if people are doing these things, that it's actually good for them. And if they're taking time to disconnect in these ways, they'll come in with more energy the next day um, or they'll be able to alleviate their exhaustion um, in the moment. So also understanding when people are talking about recovery activities after work and what they're engaging in that you recognize the positive benefit and support people in doing that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for reading this article for us. I think it's super interesting. A lot of things to think about. Um, I'm definitely going to be using it to figure out how to best structure my evenings. Um, And great takeaways. So thank you. Thank you for listening to it. Of course. And thank you to all of our listeners. Really appreciate you following along with us. If you have any questions, reach out at contact at workerbeing.com. Again, you can find us on social, on our website. We've got tons of content for you, articles, and great things to learn more about workplace wellness. Uh, We hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.